Hello and welcome to the SkillFlex Huddle. We are back with our group huddles every month. And this month we have two very interesting people. We've tried to bring in people from different industries and performing different job functions primarily so that we can get a 360 degree view of how things operate in the real world. And it's very important to us that whatever we bring to you comes to you in the form of a conversation that covers every end of that particular topic. So this, we are actually talking with Swati Gupta and with Dipali. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just to give a very short introduction, Swati, of course, has been on SkillFlex earlier, but when she was with us, she's working with EvalueServe at the moment. She is the Director, Learning Strategy Consulting Solutions at PwC Acceleration Centers. And she's been a learning and development professional across three of the big four. And she's been in the industry for over a decade. And she comes with deep expertise when it comes to implementing, you know, data-backed learning and just ensuring, you know, that there are proper learning strategies being put in place across the board. When it comes to Dipali, Dipali is an independent HR consultant who's worked with organizations to help set up their end-to-end -end HR functions. She, in fact, took the plunge of starting her own practice after 17 years of work. And she was also awarded the HR 100 and, you know, under 40 women. So that's, that's where Dipali comes from. And, you know, she's, she, her expertise and interest lies in just reimagining people's strategy. So thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today. I think what I want to focus on today is primarily around implementing skills transformation in organizations. And of course, we've discussed this briefly earlier, but I'm very excited to get this started. So before we like really get into, you know, specifics, I want to just get a sense from both of you, because you both come from one, one of you comes from the HR part of the whole people strategy, and one of you comes from the learning part of it. So just to get a perspective from both of you, how do organizations essentially look at skills being implemented in people strategy and being like a very core part of people strategy. So Dipali, if I can get a sense from you first, because that's where it starts, right? With like talent acquisition and et cetera. Right. Thank you so much, Iknur, for, you know, having me here today. See, users have been using skills for decades to define work. What is different today is the speed of change and the AI and the technology that is actually driving it, right? Most of, a, more, a lot of companies use skills, some form of skill-based systems at specific levels and functions. It is implementing or transitioning to the totality of skill-based system that is more challenging today, right? For example, most of the companies that I have worked with luckily have had focus on skills to, and a combination of both hard skills and soft skills, right? So we've kind of tried to focus on how to move people from whether it is from, you know, the recruitment state. So what we used to do is kind of uh, document the skills that people have even at the time of interview and see how they progress through their life cycle with the company. So that way it also helps us when we are doing any sort of training and development, if we want to send them for certifications with RNRs, right? It also shows us how, how they are motivated to move by themselves within the organization. So uh, from that perspective, skill space is something that has always been there. It's just hasn't kind of been in the forefront from my perspective, right? To give you another small example, one of the companies that I worked with, work with is a small startup, about 30 people, not more than that. And what we've done is, and as you know, in a startup, everyone 
wears multiple hats, right? And there's no one specific job description, so to speak. But what we've done is we've kind of identified unique skills, both personal as well as professional. And we've said, okay, if you want, you know, an awesome Excel person, go to X, right? If you want someone to write something great for you, go to Y. So that way also we've identified and kind of created a repository, so to speak. So it is something that has been happening in the background. Uh, it's just that now it's come to the forefront because we are moving, like I said, to a totality of a skill-based system. But do you think that that is at the core of what of how companies implement that people strategy? And uh, Swati, like when you worked with just ensuring that you know learning is being implemented across the board, what kind of learning strategies you're developing? Just making sure that you know you're keeping in mind everybody's needs. Do you think skills come in very naturally and organically in that process? Or do you think that's that's something that you very, very actively need to enforce? Before I begin, hi, Noor. Hi, Vipali. Thanks a lot for having me on board. And I, I really resonate with what Vipali mentioned, that skills and competencies have been a very, very essential component of all that corporate organizations have done over the last so many decades. But for sure, I mean, even in my own career, I've seen that there has been a very, very distinct change in the way in which organizations have been seeing skill development in the recent past. Initially, it used to be more organic and more a hygiene factor that, you know, there were regular upskilling programs around areas which were more behavioral, which were more, you know, human-centric. But slowly and steadily as technology improvised and as we had more methodologies more mechanisms so we started implementing a lot of hard skill development programs as well technological enhancement programs as well and i think that's where the 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 focus has moved a little bit towards how is it that we make a sustainable and a fungible talent pipeline for our business because a lot of times the the people who already are part of the organization and look into which look into an organic growth might not be that well set for a future, right? So to be able to up our game, to be able to ensure business sustenance, to be able to ensure that people get a chance to move up the ladder organically, it is essential that we go ahead and implement very strong skill development initiatives within the organization. And I think that is where the organizations have started focusing on. I think that's very interesting what you said, which is that earlier this was something that happened without like you didn't have to give it a second thought right it was just so naturally embedded in the way that you implemented learning but things shifted in the middle now we are actually shifting back and people are very very consciously trying to because I think the pandemic kind of led that change a little bit people realized that you know behavioral skills essentially are required for people to just be more resilient, be more equipped for that uncertainty that lies ahead, especially when we talk about the future of work. You need to equip teams that are able to withstand that change, right? So where do you think that shift happened in terms of like, you know, behavioral skills kind of going, going, you know, in the back burner and just not you know, not being paid attention to. Why do you think that happened? Was it because of the pace of work? Is it because of the increasing, you know, pressure of targets? And and of course, we see this happening a lot with facing teams, you know, especially sales, customer experience, where, you know, their compliance training, product, process, company training becomes priority number one. Whereas actually for these roles, you need, you know, skills like critical thinking, you need conflict management, you need empathy, you need emotional self-control. 
but these are skills that are just not given that priority why and uh, swati i'll come back i'll come to you first on this and then um, go to the pali thank you ignor i think you spelled it out very uh, well you know very very interesting uh, probably a dynamic that i notice is that the definition of what used to be behavioral skills and what is behavioral skills is quite different and distinct nowadays initially when we used to speak about behavioral skills in corporate organizations i think it used to center around areas like communication skills email writing business etiquette maybe a hint of emotional intelligence or working in a team but now the whole fabric has evolved to a much more stronger intensity wherein we start seeing skills like creative and critical thinking that you were talking about we start seeing how is it that we enable our people to be resilient how is it that we enable our people to maybe negotiate better discuss better and maybe question better answer better so all those areas which were probably in the background earlier have come to the forefront which is definitely for the good in the organization and if you were to ask me about the reason why this is happening i guess it's you know just like anything else ignore even the corporate world the corporate environment is also evolving and we are discovering new ways of working every year every day right so what might not be so predominant earlier has suddenly become predominant and people have started realizing the importance of what people play in defining a business success so while you might have some great products you might have great uh, solutions but then eventually at the end of the day it's the people who go ahead and serve those solutions to serve those answers to to our clients thus our people have to be really well equipped with the right skill set and i think that realization pre pandemic to a slight extent but definitely during the pandemic and after pandemic has been really really uh, you know well spoken about because in pandemic unfortunately there was no other way except connecting with people that organizations would share and solve right and that is where people capabilities took a major major right the pali do you think that a lot of problems lie in the way we bring people on board and the way kind of onboarding programs are designed because skills are not essentially a part of a lot of these onboarding programs they're primarily based on like i said company process product training Absolutely. So onboarding, like you rightly said, doesn't very rarely looks at soft skills, right? It's mostly focused on the technical aspects, the harder skills that the person is supposed to do. But but then again, what happens is that because of the fact that most onboarding takes place at a more group level. rather than an individual level it becomes a little tricky to kind of set that in place at an onboarding perspective when i say onboarding i mean your first day right but if you move to an onboarding of your three months six months one year that it definitely plays an important role because that is how you're also looking at how the person is evolving over the you know the duration of their first three months six months one year right so that is most organizations again that have a robust you know confirmation process or performance management process so to speak do look at the skills of human capabilities in addition to your technical skills and that does play an important role especially today because you are managing teams across the world you're working with people across the world it a manager will have you know a gig worker working with them he he or she will have you know someone working in office out of their home so it's not just about getting the work done it is also trying to understand what is happening in their individual background as well right and that becomes a very 
very very important skill that we need to look at from an onboarding perspective a lot more sensitivity needs to you know be brought in especially with the fractionalized way of working today that is most companies are looking to move to you cannot ignore soft skills or human capabilities anymore when it comes to onboarding i think this is also a place where i feel like a huge problem lies in the way we define behavioral skills like swati said and i i'll pick up i'll just double click on that a little bit because a lot of people you know also confuse personality traits with behavioral skills and the two are very different right like behavioral skills essentially can be developed their transferable skills these these are skills that essentially organizations can invest in ensuring that their teams are well equipped with right versus personality traits that are far more rigid compared to behavioral skills do you think that a huge problem in the current you know setup that exists in workplaces and i'm talking on an average over here but do you think one a big problem lies in the fact that people confuse the two and that people are unable to actually you know understand behavioral skills properly and then you know put them in place when it comes to people strategy thanks inkur actually you made me think about a recent conference that i was in with the economic times hr next tech and we were actually delving deep into a very very interesting attribute called meta skills and i think just like what you mentioned the definition of what we call behavioral skills has evolved and yes and no there will be a section of people who might just confuse personality traits with what we call as behavioral skills but at the same point in time i feel in corporate organizations people are more or less aware about the fact that behavioral skills are trainable are coachable and people can actually evolve it in case there is an opportunity that's provided to be able to help people go through a boot camp of sorts or a learning intervention of sorts now when it comes to meta skills and that is i know a new buzzword in the industry that is quite quite interesting and it was very very interesting to get into this panel discussion about meta skills you know what industries identified that there are some skills that are really inherent to us like our zeal towards learning our confidence our intent towards growing further in the organization or that uh, that risk taking capability all of these areas are very intrinsic there are only few programs that can touch these areas but might not definitely change the outlook of an individual unless and until something somebody is put through a coaching intervention or someone is put through a intensive deep dive into one's own personality so looking at uh, these three dimensions of skills what i would say is that while meta skills are very very crucial and it's in, important that organizations start tapping into those areas and utilizing novel ways of training and coaching and uh, connecting with people but at the same time one should definitely not shy away from uh, implementing training programs for behavioral skills as well personality can definitely be judged but not altered so that's something we can definitely gauge once we are interviewing candidates and i'm sure that no personality is a bad personality or a good personality it's just about the fitment so we can check that fitment during the initial stage but then yes for the other skills we can continue developing them and close to what dipali was mentioning a while ago 
in the onboarding phase, what I've seen ignore is nowadays organizations like you see EY and KPMG, where I've spent quite a lot of time in my life, they've actually started building a learning pathway or a learning journey for employees right at the onboarding stage. So that when people join in, we actually do a skill assessment for them. And then we craft very, very specific customized learning pathways for each individual as for the team that they join which just does not address only the behavioral attributes, but also help people with technological upskilling, with their domain upskilling, with their industry sectoral upskilling. And that enables our people to be quite fit for the role and fit for future as we move ahead. Now that's very interesting because you've gotten to exactly the point that I wanted to actually reach because that's that's what we try to do at Fundamento as well, right? Where we ensure that these you know when it comes to skills that's something that's implemented right at the beginning and it it all starts with measurement the pali do you think that that is something of relevance to the world of hr specifically and the world of like talent acquisition and like just you know because for for companies hiring at scale where they are hiring like 200 sales people a month and things like that do you think they have the time a also like how do they make that process efficient? Uh, so from, it is a little difficult when you're looking at mass hiring, okay, but now with the advent of AI and technology that is helping you drive recruitment, it becomes a little more easier. But when we are creating that entire process, right, we need to ensure that we need to kind of look at it from a more humanistic perspective and not cut and dry and, uh, you know, whether it is if you're saying you're looking at a resume, for example, it you only find keywords, but how do you soften uh, the recruitment process with AI is kind of a balance that we need to bring okay so when you come to mass hiring it is a little difficult right especially I'm talking from a smaller organization perspective Swati can definitely pitch in for larger organizations I'm sure it's a little more easier for y'all but for from a smaller organization perspective it does take a little longer because we there's a lot more human intervention that comes into play because when you are looking at either a salesperson or a customer service individual it is you know they are having a more face-to-face -face rather than a back-end right so understanding how they are able to interact whether it is through role plays or you know even through having some sort of an interview that an AI based interview where they interact and answer questions in a specific manner correct so from that perspective we still have a long way to go for are mid-sized smaller organizations okay but from a larger organization Swati I'm sure you can definitely help answer this question Absolutely. From a larger organization's perspective, look, I would not shy away from saying that even larger organizations don't have such a lot of resources that you go ahead and handle bulk hiring very, very effectively or you're able to really streamline it. There's definitely scope because there are more number of people and there are, you know, very divergent skills that we're looking at these days. And for skill development anyways, you know that we need a bad size and those are very tactical issues. Yeah. But then there those tactical issues still exist from large organizations as well. But like you rightly said, I think technology from the standpoint of very, very interesting virtual solutions, virtual learning, virtual libraries are going a long way in helping us, you know, create those pathways which are unique for individuals unique for the right skills that we are hiring people for. So from a large organization's perspective, I think we have got that advantage, that we've got those libraries and those solutions at our disposal.
All right. No, very interesting. I think I do want to kind of move into the next part of the discussion, which is essentially around implementing these skill-based systems from scratch. What do organizations need to do? Where do they begin? You know, I was having a conversation recently with someone who said, you know, when it comes to learning and when it comes to skills, it's like a black box. And they genuinely seemed very distressed by it because they were like, we, we don't know where to even begin. We would ideally love for our teams to be equipped with skills like critical thinking, with result orientation and, you know, things like that. But where do you start and how do you get this running, right? And of course, there are several ways, you know, you start with assessments and then move in. All of that can be done, skill mapping, you know, they know the process. But why are organizations so hesitant to take that first step, Dipali? So that, you know, with any change, there comes a lot of challenges, right? And the first most important challenge is the mind shift change or the mindset change. For over a century, we've been using JDs or, you know, spelt out job descriptions or job works and making that change, there will obviously be resistance. So number one is definitely that having that mindset change. The second would be, you know, making the transition itself is not easy. It's a complex and mammoth task, right? You, you have to get a stakeholder buy-in across every single level because people now will say that I'm, I, I'm going to be measured or my performance is going to be measured on skills vis-a-vis -vis the actual KPIs or KRAs and the entire, uh, you know, the philosophy or the uh, behind skill taxonomy, so to speak, is also very complex. How granular will you go? What, how, where do you stop that definition, right? So skill taxonomy, it's also is so complex and knowing how to define, slice that down itself is a skill. Correct. And one, the other thing that I possibly look at as a challenge is moving to the compensation structure of, you know, a skill-based organization. Previously, you had your hierarchy, you knew, okay, from level one to level two, this is the approximation, this is your KRA, if you get, you know, this percentage and things like that. But now you, again, it's purely based on skill. How are you going to evaluate that? Because I'll be, as a person working in a fractionalized kind of a model, I'll be working with multiple stakeholders. I'm working on multiple projects, right? So how is that skill going to be assessed and how is my compensation structure going to be kind of created based on that then again you know it's a very nuanced conversation is yeah, very very nuanced I, I do i do want to challenge that a little bit and i, I know you're going to make another point but i'll just sure, sure. you over there for a second sure. just challenging that for a bit doesn't skill development specifically when it comes to the skills that will enable your power of selling for example and i'm specifically let's say talking about a sales team for instance yes their composition compos, compensation sorry is based primarily on their target achievement rate but won't these skills essentially enhance that target achievement and even like why does your compensation need to be affected if skills become the you know, the factor for you being hired in a certain team or you being, you know, promoted, for instance, because won't, this, won't the skills enable your ability to sell better? And that is the argument, right, where, where you know, people kind of just get stuck a little bit because they're not sure whether at the end of the day, this kind of learning strategy will actually drive outcomes. 
Absolutely. So if let, let me take the example of the sales person itself that you spoke about, right? So the sales component also is broken down into two, the compensation structure is broken down into two aspects. One is your fixed that you're going to be getting and then you have your commission of variable pay that is based on your targets, right? So uh, if you're moving to a skill-based compensation structure and a normal structure anyway has your variable component or your commission-based component, right? So that will continue being there but in order for me to let's say or a person in a skill-based structure to survive they need to get that x amount of uh, you know base compensation right and and over and above that based on their skills or the number of projects or however it works in each organization that will be added on so again you have that you know that it's kind of like a paradox of how much of uh, fixed vis-a-vis how much is going to be assigned towards the skill right and again as an individual person should be able to accept that there is going to be a change in the way I'm going to be earning money right uh, someone who is absolutely awesome will and is able to whether it's multitask work on uh, you know different gigs will obviously earn a lot more if their skill level is higher right vis-a-vis -vis someone with maybe more experience and a lower skill level right previously what used to happen is you used to get paid your you work for 10 years in this particular uh, role or designation and that is how you used to be paid obviously skill used to come into it but today that will not happen you can be working for two years and have amazing skills and then you'll be paid much more than possibly a person who has 10 years of experience so essentially just about breaking the norm right but exactly isn't that better for organizational efficiency because that's where essentially the con conversation boils down to right like an organization is looking to invest in a person basis the fact that their business output at the end of the day is increasing right it is definitely a more, it's an opportunity and is definitely positive from an organization perspective. But what I'm talking about is uh, the challenge that I was talking about is not, is not making the change. It is how you're going to make the change. Uh, it was not about you have to, you know, it's wrong. I was talking about that. It's it difficult to move sense. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And makes complete sense. That is the point of friction essentially yeah. that you're trying to demonstrate. Exactly. Makes complete sense. When Swati, I think you, you fit right into the conversation over here, which is that how do you then, as a learning and development professional, ensure that something like this can be done very seamlessly? Thank you, Ifnoor. In fact, I love the debate that both you and Dipali were in, and I was really meaning like uh, just uh, reflecting what Dali was saying that look, while an organization might be implementing ideas or thoughts around skill development and might just put people into a skill development intervention, but how many employees or how many candidates would actually come back with that skill well integrated into their own uh, working system and how many of them will actually decide to implement it in the same manner as it was taught you know it's always a human thing when it comes to any form of skill development and you're right there are these host of challenges that probably might just be a little deterrent in the minds and hearts of our organizations when they when they get onto this journey of creating a skill development intervention it looks challenging to even from a standpoint of parity while uh, i as an organization might say well if i have a skilled individual i'm ready to pay xyz for the kind of skill this person gets onto the table but is it necessary that the others who are equally skilled or later on, if in case I get somebody who's actually skilled or better skilled than that individual, will I be able to go 
an additional mind for that other individual and what is it that i'll do with this particular individual there are market forces that keep governing all of us on to deciding how much is it that we can pay out in variables how much is it that we can pay out in fixed and how is it that we create a a parity a borderline between how far are we ready to move so when i come to your question iknur we in the organization us learning and development professionals what we try and do is we first try and see how is it that we can prioritize what skills would be the most crucial ones for the organization we can always have a huge laundry list of things that we'd like to change but then it's very very crucial that we go ahead and connect with our business leaders connect with our clients employ market research to figure out what skills will be the most crucial ones and how is it that we are going to redefine the landscape what is it that the future landscape will look like i mean i can't just be an arbitrary lnd professional who decides to do anything and everything that comes to the forefront from any business end right i need to know what is that picture of my future and that i'm trying to achieve so after i paint that picture very very carefully keeping all the various dynamics in the mind then of course i can lay down a very very strong strategy and a concerted pathway towards choosing the right amount of resources monetary as well as non monetary resources finding out right solutions to be able to implement and then a very very crucial element getting the employee mind buy in to be able to change to be able to accept the change employees usually would not be so comfortable in attending training programs after training programs there is inertia there as well right so while there will be inertia in the in the business side we can convince that by saying that look we will have a way to move ahead into future with better skills but then how do you convince an employee saying look you're not good for future you have to go ahead and change yourself to be able to be ready for it nobody would like to accept that nowadays so what we do is we employ mechanisms around conducting road shows conducting one on one discussions conducting um, engagement activities when we enable employees to get into a you know curious inquiry into their own skills and get onto an agreement that there might be some areas that will be potentially required for them to move ahead into a better future and once that buy in comes in that is when we can put them into a learning pathway or a learning journey so yes it is not easy but then definitely it's quite exciting that's very interesting so at you spoke a lot about adoption being like a big problem and challenge essentially that organization space when it comes to implementing these systems because it's not just about organizations being okay with implementing it's also about the employees adopting and taking that up and i think that's very very essential have you the pali ever faced that as a problem while implementing something yes absolutely in one of the organizations we created a uh, you know future manager ready kind of a program where we had listed down certain skills that we wanted managers or future managers based on their potential to kind of uh, go through in terms of training okay and like swati rightly pointed out you cannot keep on having uh, you know trainings continuously so we based not only did we pace it out we also gave much uh, you know give gave people an advance notice like a really really almost like a month two months advance notice that look on so and so date is going to be there but then your day your daily work comes into play your traveling and then people are just not interested even though they have that potential they don't want to go out and learn more because they are happy possibly in their you know their little universe so 
pushing people to even if it is good for them pushing them obviously you have both the types you have people who are gung ho ready to go you know ready to move to that level but then once you hit i guess a certain you're so bogged down by work that they don't want to do anything more it's like it's a burden for a lot of people to you know go back and do that so we did have, have those challenges what we tried to do was say you know it's going to be a part of your overall kra right so kind of added that training whether it is personal training or whether it is within the company training you know x number of hours over the year or over 6 months is something that you kind of need to do so we put that into our appraisal process also not kra but appraisal process so uh that way it was kind of like a carrot and stick method not the greatest way but you still need at the end of the day people need to upskill themselves because you know uh, technical skills for example keep on changing every 5 years and now i'm sure it's going to be much quicker so people need to be more aware of that fact that the skills that they have today will be obsolete right so from that perspective no matter how much you do as a company it is also from the other side that a person needs to be interested to learn whether it's soft or you know whether it is your soft skills or your technical skills Okay, no makes makes complete sense. I think it's also interesting over here to note that th- there are like this whole idea and concept of uh, you know forty hours of learning, etc. is has become increasingly common. Most organizations are adding incentive to learning, and uh, most of it gets kind of embedded in the whole appraisal process. Does that work? <laughs> and I don't know, Swati, as as someone who's like really rolled out a lot of these learning programs. Do you really see knowledge retention when it comes to these kind of almost rules that are applied versus it being something that's probably embedded in their flow of work? You know, something that that's being imparted to them on a day-to-day basis, so that their knowledge retention is linked to what they're doing at work, not separate of it. Actually, take me to a nostalgic sort of a journey, ignoring all that question because. as i look back through my career and through the various organizations that i have worked with i can see or i can say a yes and a no to the question that you just asked because a lot of times the kind of diversity that we would bring around in the training methodologies would actually enable people to carry back learning more effectively and if in case we were just to push a set of e-learns or push a set of classroom training programs on a particular topic then that definitely becomes very monotonous and people are not really gungo like you all said about learning more and more but i've seen organizations like pwc actually pick up a very very interesting intervention called pwc university wherein we would take people out for a three day intervention outside work to an external location wherein during the daytime you put them through an intensive learning curriculum mix of both technical as well as um, and then in the evening you put them through an activity wherein they showcase the change through a hackathon or say or something like that and then in the night you celebrate with each other so you've got fun mixed with work and uh, that is when you get a challenge also to be able to showcase the size, the kind of skills that you would have gained in the morning you get a challenge to be able to exhibit that in the evening and as we look into learn our adult learning principles we realize that is uh, learn more when they they are challenged towards sharing what is it that they have or rather something that's practical and which is problem centric so i think in such scenarios i've seen a major change in the skill level if in case we choose the right methodology but yes if in case we just make it a tick in the box activity then definitely i'm not seeing 
a major change in the employee mindset. And to add, uh, add on to what Swati said, ignore. You know, another way is we used to have a lot of pilot projects okay so what we used to do is we used to have these innovation call outs and we're constantly finding trying to find new ways to do things better right so when and when these pilot projects were uh, thrown open we asked people to come and they may not have the skill today but uh, while doing the, that specific project they would be learning a new skill and it is out of their interest so when they're doing something practically that is also really really helpful vis-a-vis uh, you know an e-learning or a classroom kind of learning so that's one way but again that is a very small population of the entire uh, you know the entire organization because you have typically the same set of people who want to kind of keep doing something new and learning right so but that is another way of doing it in a more practical sense as well no absolutely agreed and i think you know when they like i said learning in the flow work i think works only because of that because it's something that they are literally practicing while they are learning right makes complete sense but i'm also conscious of the time so i want to just understand from you now that when you view the world of work today where do you think we are headed when it comes to skills particularly particularly do you think that we have a very long way to go to arrive at a point where organizations think skills first essentially right because it eliminates a lot of other factors that can end up becoming barriers to an organization's growth. It eliminates bias. It eliminates redundancy. It eliminates complacency, which, and I think that's where, when we were having the compensation debate, I think that's what really stuck with me when you said that, you know, like there's a very set structure that, oh, if you've been in the organization for 10 years, then you reach this position and all of that stuff. And that's a little problematic, right? Because you might not have upskilled and we saw this in a data insight that we did recently where we even like published a report on our website where we actually saw that when it came to agents with five plus years of experience the agents who were still like two years of experience actually ended up having like they scored higher in critical behavioral skills required for them to do their job well than the ones who had more years of experience and and that's where the problem lies right so just keeping that in mind, do you think we have a really long way to go to arrive at a position where skills dominate the way we think of, you know, people's strategy? Or do you think we are getting there and it's just a matter of time before this happens? So the first, because you implement that training and then the fun. Thank you, Iknoor. I think I'll be very, very happy and confident to say that the future is now. Organizations have already started putting skills in the forefront as a very, very important definer. And I don't think there is probably. And probably that is why you see such a strong stretch on talent acquisition these days, because we are trying to find really skilled people, skilled employees. And that skill is definitely not so easily available in the market outside. So, of course, the organizations are focusing heavily on developing those skills internally and ensuring that they really grow up the learning curve. And I think this also have actually risen up to the realization that it is extremely important to them to be agile, to keep learning and to keep growing. Now, my, my response will be divided when it comes to these two categories of skills. When it comes to areas which are technical, which are functional, people are aware 
that they really need to grow and they really need to develop. And I think there is a lot of fusion towards that form of learning from employees end as well. But when it comes to anything which is behavioral, which is slightly more human oriented, that is when I feel that employees might not really even have the depth to understand what is it that we envisage for them and where is it that we still sit right now and how is it that we aim at bridging that gap and what is it that bridging that gap will actually do for them or do for the organization. So that little realization is probably the distance that we need to cover to be able to let employees know the rationale behind developing fundamental behavioral skills as well in there. But otherwise, for the if I look at the overall skill development picture, I think all the organizations are heavily vested in that direction. Very, very heavy. Makes makes a lot of sense. Dipali, before I I do have a few points to make, but before that, Dipali, your perspective, because I know that you you you've spoken very strongly of the points of friction. So just keeping that in. Right. So in addition to what Swati said, also today, if you see, uh, if you see the entire recruitment landscape or the talent landscape, right, while there are layoffs happening, it is still unnerving that people are not able, companies are not able to fill positions precisely because of the fact of the skill gap, whether it be technical or whether it be, you know, your softer skills, right? So right there, you can make out that there is a big need for individuals by themselves to upskill themselves or reskill themselves and companies needing to know that, you know, if a person, it's easier to, you know, get someone from within the organization to move. It's less, there's less training time, there's less cost involved, right? So obviously it is a plus for an organization to focus on skilling and upskilling. But that being said, to be honest, I think we are at three distinct stages, right? So you have your companies like your IBMs and Cisco's and uh, your big fours that are already using skill-based, uh, you know, systems using AI to kind of advent catalog your skills and your, you know, uh, focusing on skill taxonomy, so to speak, right? But then you also have companies, and again, like I'm, we need to look at the fact that there are a you know across the board you have different types of companies you know they are at different levels so you need to think about the culture that each company comes with also right what is their final goal or what is their final outcome so you have a smaller companies that may not have that bandwidth may not have that capital right even though they want to do it there's still fair amount of resistance because there's no know-how as well technical know-how right from let's say if, as an HR I want to implement something if I don't have the know-how how how will I get all the stakeholders buy-in to even look at implementing, right? So that is the second point. And the third thing is, I think we're also at that chicken and egg kind of a situation about how to make that transition. Do I look at what my future skills are and then build on it? Or do I create my, you know, my skill taxonomy and then work backwards? So, so I feel that we are in these three distinct kind of states right now. But like Swati said, you cannot ignore the fact that the future is now, okay? And you need to kind of buck up and work towards making it more relevant. Absolutely. And I think, yes, individuals, I think, need to just realize that if they don't upskill, then they, their roles are going to become redundant by the time they kind of are three, four years into their careers. But I think for organizations also to just make sure that they are, they're, make, they're making people understand the relevance of these skills and like implementing these systems because otherwise, you know, the redundancy that's set into an organization over the last, let's say, 10, 20 years because of existing systems 
that has the potential to then really kind of go downhill right so just a last question do you think um, that when we are looking at of course the future is now it needs to be implemented just where are we at like i just want to like just like really take a magnifying glass and like for you guys to just give me a picture of actually what is the status at the moment before we kind of wrap up this conversation dipali first again like i said ignore uh, it depends from company to company right but there is the intent is there okay the need to the you know there is that awareness that the transition needs to move it's about knowing how to do it you know that i feel is where we are at at the moment but is there a, is there a, like where my question came from is that is there at this point of time any approach that organizations are even considering or do you think it's like i like what i started with 10 minutes back that it's just a big black box that people don't know how to navigate are we there or are people kind of at least figuring it out yeah so definitely a uh, black box for uh, a majority i think of uh, you know organizations that don't have that relevant skill set first in uh, you know in the first place but coming down to it what i the way to go forward or where we are at is kind of working uh, uh, using certain functions or certain you know sub functions and then work from there to see how it's going to how we are able to implement it within organizations right so when you start small you know how it works rather than going all out because if you're doing it wrong then going back to the way it was or again changing course would be difficult so start small and and then work your way towards the rest of the organization makes sense swati your comments on that well i think no we are much better set than what we were about 5 years ago maybe 10 years ago because now if you look at it we've got solutions we've got solution providers like skillflex we've got we've got people who are aware that they really need to improvise on their skills enhance their skills and then we've got some very very strong best practices available in the industry some testimonies to the fact that if in case we have an organization that is well skilled then it definitely is able to contribute more towards the bottom line and the top line and thus uh our leaders are also much more aware about the fact that they really need to contribute time and energy towards people development and skill development so definitely the pace has increased to what it used to be about 5 years ago 7 years ago the pace and the kind of dedication towards skill development has really really increased across organizations and like dipali said while there might not be immediate solutions in in smaller organizations but there definitely is a strong intent towards doing it so considering that there is definitely a change in the way in which we've been looking at skill development and organizations are paying a lot of emphasis in that direction already like they say that the first step is always acknowledgement so i think from what i can gather from both dipali and you swati is that we are at the stage of acknowledgement precisely we are at a point where people have realized that this is it this is the need of the hour we need to do something about it and the next step is now it like really making sure that that intent translates into an actual deliverable that's implemented in organization so of course then a long way to go but i think we are on the path and i think that's very very interesting but thank you so much dipali and swati for joining this conversation i think it's been absolutely great because i think it's one it was very free flowing and i think as we kind of navigated the conversation we learned a lot ourselves in terms of just how things are working from both perspectives 
because i think a lot of times and 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 correct me if i'm wrong but i think a lot of times what also ends up happening is that even like learning and development teams do want to kind of implement certain strategies when it comes to upskilling but there's a pushback from hr from organizations similarly hr sometimes wants to implement something and then there's a pushback from the other end so i feel like it's very interesting to bring both the perspectives on the same table yeah absolutely <laughs> all the time but eventually we all shake hands and we are uploading video podcasts as well so you can watch the entire webinar on spotify and it'll also be available on our linkedin page thank you so much both of you for joining us today thank Goodbye. you no thank you swati bye Great. bye thank you bali bye bye